You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. If you're a first time listener, seriously, welcome to the party. We're so stoked to have you. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back, love. Thanks for tuning in again. And we love you guys so, so much. If you dig this episode and our show in general, make sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified every Tuesday and Thursday when we drop a new episode. And if you want to be double awesome, it would be amazing if you paused this episode and took two minutes to leave us a review. It seriously means the world to us. And reviews help us get the word out about this show and continue to provide you with free content twice a week. So reviews definitely make a huge, huge difference. So if you've left one, thank you so much. And if you're listening and want to get even more connected with the Heart and Hustle community, we have a poppin' Facebook group filled with incredible creative entrepreneurs, so come join and say hi. The link to our group is in the show notes. All right, now let's get on to today's guest. Reagan Walsh is an NYU-certified executive life coach who focuses on helping women who are overprogrammed and underwhelmed to reclaim their lives both personally and professionally. She contributes to Harvard Business Review and Forbes and has been featured in Fast Company, NBC.com, Smart Business, and Columbus CEO. She has coached thousands of women through her one-on-one and group coaching programs, and she is regularly asked to give keynotes, facilitate workshops, and speak on panels for Fortune 500 companies, industry associations, and foundations. She has done so for clients like Nike, QuickBooks, and JP Morgan. She's awesome, guys. (laughs) Reagan is located in Columbus, Ohio, and coaches people from all over the world. In today's conversation, we chat with Reagan about some pitfalls that entrepreneurs face when growing their business. She lays out three paralyzing habits that are preventing you from living out your potential along with some practical advice and wisdom on how to squash self-doubt and kick it to the curb where it belongs. We also touch on topics that are so important, especially as women, the difference between confidence and arrogance and how a lot of times as women, we downplay our accomplishments because we're too afraid to raise our hand or put ourselves out there. Does anyone feel that? I know I just sometimes do. (laughs) If you deal with fear of failure, perfectionism, self-doubt, or being afraid to actually just get into the game, then literally you need Riggins wisdom in your life. You need this episode, so keep listening. So without further ado... Here's our conversation with Reagan Walsh. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Reagan, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here with you both. Oh, it's an honor. Well, okay, so to start off, why don't you just tell us your story, like who you are and how you became a life coach and just where you are today? Sure. So I um, am a Midwestern girl, born and raised. I am based out of Columbus and I have a really fun life. I live close to downtown. I'm an urban dweller. I'm married to a foxy man from Minnesota and we have two little girls. (laughs) 
Um, Maeve turns four soon and my daughter Dorothy is five. And so I have a really fun life here in Columbus. And my background, I feel really fortunate, um, which is funny to say fortunate because some of the pivots I've, I've made in my life were based out of like tragedy. Um, so I've been fortunate that I've had s- several different career chapters, um, ranging from, uh, corporate life, working for a fortune 100 to, um, working for a startup to working in really creative agencies. So I was able to see how so many different types of industries worked. So when I had the opportunity to work with a coach, when I was in the nonprofit sector, I just fell in love with how she helped foster all of these you know, women in different industries and help them get clarity on how they could be their most confident selves and how they could like achieve what it is that they were looking to do. So it was through working with a coach that I decided that, oh my gosh, like all of the things required to become a successful coach, those are my natural gifts in terms of listening, encouraging, asking the right questions and helping people find um, clarity through what they feel is maybe a, a complicated puzzle. It's for me, it's easy to see the path forward. So I actually worked with my coach, confided in her and said, I'm going to leave this job that I love and start a a business on my own because I know that I will love that even more. So one day I I took a risk. I told my husband, we had only been married eight weeks. And I said, I'm about to quit a job. And in addition to quitting my job, I'm going to move to New York for the summer because NYU has a coaching program and I've enrolled in it. And you know, (laughs) that I'm going to start a business. And he was like, awesome. So make sure if you get married, you marry the right person, right? Who supports you. (laughs) Uh, Later, after I quit the job, before I moved to New York, I learned I was pregnant with our first child. So Nick, my husband always laughs. He's like, remember when we got married, you quit your job and then you moved to New York while you were pregnant with our first child? I'm like, yes, I do. And look where it's got us. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's that's such a story. I love how he was so chill with it. He's just like, oh yeah, you can go to New York. Bye. (laughs) With with our baby. (laughs) With our baby. But it's so important that you pick the right people to be in your corner, right? Whether it's uh, getting married or committing your life or it's your best friends. You need to commit your life to surrounding yourself with people who believe in you and who've got your back and say like, of course you're going to do that. Why wouldn't you do that? Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. That's such good advice. Well, and I'm so excited. You're the first official life coach that we've actually had on the show. And so I am just stoked to just dive on in to all things like entrepreneurship and life coaching. So I guess my first official question would be, um, let's chat habits as an entrepreneur. That wasn't a question. That was just like a statement, but I'm (laughs) I'm getting into it. Um, What are some paralyzing habits that you think are preventing us from living to our potential? Like, can you walk us through some of the common ones that you see and ways for our listeners to break them? Yes. So when it comes to paralyzing habits, uh, there are three that come to mind that I've seen with almost all of my clients. So the first one is perfection, right? The the person that wants to do everything on their own because they, they know that they'll do it right. When you are a perfectionist, everything that you need to do for your business has equal weight 
you weigh all things equally, right? So that makes it hard to prioritize and that makes it hard to move forward. So uh, perfectionists often get paralyzed because they're so overwhelmed by every single task and they weight them all equally. So then of course it's hard to say, okay, what's most important because sending out this email feels as important as like wrapping up your brand to launch a retreat, right? Like they're not as important, mm-hmm. but when you're a perfectionist, you feel like they are. Um, so that would be the first one. The second paralyzing habit that I see a lot is uh, entrepreneurs have the disease to please, right? They are so afraid to disappoint somebody, a, a potential client or vendor or partner or whatever it is, so that they are always going Um, taking on more than they should because they don't want to disappoint anybody. And when you operate in that space of wanting to please everybody, you're watering down your offer, you're exhausted at the end of the day, and you're not necessarily um, like operating at your highest level. You're not just saying yes to your sweet spot. You're saying yes to anything else anybody says. Um, and, And that's a real dangerous place to operate when you are an entrepreneur, because you can lose focus. And I would say that the third habit that I see getting in the way of entrepreneurs is they're, they're trying to be a solo pilot. So they're trying to fly the plane by themselves and they're not asking for help in areas that they may not be an expert. And, you know, some of that could be an ego thing or feeling like, I can't let people behind the curtains because I should have this all figured it out, figured out by now. But when you don't have the courage to ask for help, you're just stalling or delaying your progress. You can get so much further faster when you have somebody that's willing to say like, hey, I've already been down that road and I know where all the potholes are and I'm going to help you avoid them. So I would say between perfection, pleasing, and then trying to do things alone. Um, those, those three are the most common paralyzing habits. And it's, it's oftentimes people have more than one. So you might have all three of those habits. So it can really, um, stall your growth for sure. Whoa, that, (laughs) that was gold, Reagan. And the fact, I think, each one of those things I see in almost every single like student or person that I talk to who comes and asks a question of like, how do I do this? How, how can I master this? How can I fix this? I'm like, as you were talking, I was like, oh, that would come from like the, the habit or the, the lie of like perfectionism or the struggle with that. Or that comes with, I think most specifically for me, at least what really popped out to me and what you said was letting people behind the curtain. And I think as entrepreneurs, especially as your business grows, you feel this pressure to have everything together and to have it all figured out. And if you don't, but people may think you do, I know I struggled with that like a couple years ago and I, I honestly probably still do. It's this feeling of like, well, I should have it all figured out. And if I let people see this specific area that I don't have it figured out, what are they going to think? And I think all of us Mm -hmm. struggle with that to some extent for probably most of our lives. Like, I think it's not uncommon for me to even like recognize that I'm holding myself back from something because of that fear and I have to push through it even still. So that was mind blowing. (laughs) Okay. You know, I I think there are a few ways. Like number one is it confide in the people you really trust and let them behind Mm -hmm. the curtain. I've seen Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs 
be a little bit too honest. And I think they, you can lose credibility if you're too honest and you're showing everybody on, you know, in the outside, um, that you are in shambles all the time. I think there's a line between being authentic and vulnerable and showing people that, of course, I don't have it all together. Nobody does. And being a train wreck, right? So there's a way Mm -hmm. to not be a train wreck but just ask for help and say, you know what? I I don't know how to get to that next point. Can you help me? This is what I'm struggling with. And, and people love to help people. So you might as well ask Mm -hmm. um, because people want others to succeed. Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, I think that like we have this thought or this, yeah, just this thought that when we become quote unquote successful or when we quote unquote make it like all of those struggles will go away. And obviously, yes, we grow over time, but I think it's also so important to realize, hey, we're like, even if you quote unquote make it or like feel successful, you're still going to struggle with these like mindset things. And I think that's really healthy to register and realize, you know, Mm -hmm, for sure. And like, think of anybody, anybody that is famous, uh, a successful business person, uh, a sport, an athlete, whoever it is, they all have coaches and mindset people and mentors who have um, committed to helping them get to their highest level. Nobody's doing all of this stuff alone. It takes a a lot Mm -hmm. of, a lot of people in the background to help each individual succeed. I think that's really key to like hit on just so our listeners can know, like as you grow, making sure that you're still educating yourself and you're still getting help and you're still getting coached, um, which is why I love, Regan, just what you do. And I think that's amazing. I was going to say, I work with a coach, right? I I make it a point every single year I set aside money in my budget just for my personal development because if I'm not growing, then like what good am I to my clients and to the world? So I think committing to your growth and whatever field you're in is critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's literally what I was going to say. I think honestly, the more you grow, the more influence you have, the more quote unquote successful you are. I think the more vital it is to have people behind you and in your corner because it's easy. I see this a lot in a lot of entrepreneur bubbles where you get to a certain place and you may feel like you've arrived or you may feel like you're above, you know, growth or you're above a coach or you're above, you know, a mentor and then you plateau and you may fall into like the pride bubble or the fear of letting people behind the curtain because you haven't let somebody mentor you or coach you through certain things. And I think it's so important, no matter what stage of life or business that you're in, to have people who have that access to speak into your life and continue to help you grow and get stronger. Amen to that. I love it. Well, okay, actually, this kind of goes in with that as, you know, we can overthink things as we're growing, as we think we're better than we really are, or we're above like, you know, help, whatever. I think it's really, really easy as entrepreneurs. There's so much going on in our worlds and in our minds. We overthink just about everything. And so I would love to hear from you, Reagan, how you think we as creatives, as business owners, as human beings can break this habit of just constantly overthinking everything in our lives. Mm -hmm. So this is going to sound incredibly simplistic because it is. And I think that the best coaching tools are, are simple when you're trying to create change. So honestly, what I encourage my clients who are overthinkers to do is to set a timer, give yourself a window and you have 
five minutes or 10 minutes to make a decision on whatever is holding you back. Thinking about something for 10 hours does not necessarily yield a better decision. So I think setting a timeline, (laughs) giving yourself a firm deadline um, to move forward is incredibly important. I also would highly encourage people to not always ask for feedback. So something I, and this is something I see with women more so than with men is women will try to seek validation for their ideas or, um, you know, before making a decision, they want to shop it around to all of their friends or their mentors. And what happens is number one, you as the business owner, don't look like you have you know, the, the confidence to run a successful business. And then, uh, number two, you eventually wear people down. So if you think of that, like extra needy person you've ever had in your life, like you wear people down when you're constantly seeking validation for what it is you're trying to figure out. So instead of doing that and always checking in with other people, I talk to my clients about failure. Like what's the worst thing that can happen? So what if you choose wrong, then what? Well, then you're going to make a different decision. Like what, what if you fail? All of us will fail every week. We're going to fail at something. That's the risk of, you know, being human. We're, we're going to fail. So I think once you understand that failure is a part of human life, it's a shared human experience. No one is not impacted by failure at some point. Then you ask yourself, so what? Then you can move forward faster. So I think uh, when it comes to that paralysis from overthinking, having a deadline and then having the courage to say, so what? Like, so what? If this doesn't go as expected, I can pivot or change my mind at any time, but I need to try something and it's better to keep moving than to be like stuck. Mm, I love that. Well, and I, I always say that failure is just learning. Like it's, it's learning, it's failing, but it's well, failing is failing. Um, <laughs> but Brilliant I insight. I know. I'm so smart. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I think it's, it's like, what if you don't, or like, I always tell my students like what, okay, so think about all the ways that you could fail and then like practically think through what, will happen? Like step-by-step, what will actually happen? Like if you fail at this, what would you do? How would it go? Like, and I think thinking through that and mapping out the the plan of what you would literally do, I think Mm -hmm. makes it less scary. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, for sure. I think it makes it less scary. And it also, um, yeah, I just think it fuels you to keep moving forward. You know, I have to share, sometimes things come into my brain and I feel like I'm supposed to share them. So I'm going to share a story that for whatever reason. So there's a woman um, that lives here in Columbus who owned a a catering business and she's quite successful. So she has a catering business and restaurants here in my city. And the first catering gig she ever got was for a wedding and she ran out of food. She ran out of food at this wedding. Like half of the people weren't going to be fed. And she had to think like, holy you know, sorry, I, I, it's hard for me to not curse, but she had to think <laughs> on her food and um, she ended up ordering takeout from another restaurant and, you know, the meal was delayed and, you know, in, in every scenario, this is a disaster, right? The, there's not enough food, it's delayed. And then at the end of the night, she shook everybody's hand and apologized. 
So that actually ended up being one of the pivotal moments in her business. It was an epic failure, but the way she had integrity, the way she problem solved, the way she showed up and thanked every guest there at that wedding for being so gracious and patient. And she apologized. She is wildly successful and she's been in business I think almost 20 years now, but I think that's such a powerful story in the, so what, like, so what you fail, you still stand up and you do the best you can to make it right. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. That's so good. And I think it's so important for people to, to get the stigma out of their head that a failure is final because it's not, it's just part of the learning process. It's part of the growing process. And just like that caterer, you just figure out how to solve the problem, how to fix it and how to grow from it. And, you know, I think there's this belief in our head that, oh, if I fail, I'm completely done. Like that's the end of the story, like closed book, we're done moving on. Like my life is over but it's not. It's just part of learning and growing. And especially as business owners, you are going to fail. Like that's not even a question. The number of times Lindsay and I have met with like a closed door or completely botched it or made total fools out of ourselves is way too many to count. Like it's just part of the process. It's part of the process and how you can get stronger is by committing to learning. So do you need to be more empathetic with yourself? Do you need to activate and and get into high gear and, and change something? You know, what is it that you need to do to make sure that this failure turns into something transformative for you um, in one way or another. It's critical. Does Instagram scare the heck out of you? Feeling like you're always struggling to save time on the good old gram while also creating flawless branded professional content for it? We feel you. We have made a special little something just for you. We created a PDF with our top five apps we use in conjunction with Instagram to create smooth, professional content while saving us time and energy. This is a list compiled after years of using Instagram and searching for all the secret pro tools to make our jobs easier. If you've ever wondered, how the heck did she do this? Or how did she make that? It's probably answered by one of these apps. There are little secret sauce to spicing up your Instagram. We use these apps daily and they've absolutely changed the game for us. So if you're ready to uplevel your Instagram and create pro content with just a few clicks, we got you. Head on over to www.theheartuniversity.com slash apps and let's uplevel that Instagame. That's A-P-P-S, y'all. Hey, Heart Fam, we had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you 
you get paid, aka my favorite part. (laughs) HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. Yes. Well, Regan, I would say about like 98% of our audience is female. (laughs) <laughs> for, for like maybe the like two men out there listening to this, we see right. you. But um, <laughs> but I would say like the majority of our audience is women. And something that you said earlier, you said that women tend to overthink things more than men. Like we tend to like weigh all of our options more. And I think there's just a huge difference between female entrepreneurs and male entrepreneurs. And specifically with females, I think as women we often it's easy for us to mistake confidence for arrogance. I think that's like a huge topic that I kind of want to dive into with you. Um, And I think that leads us as women to like waiting for others to notice our accomplishments versus like standing tall and being like, hey, no, I did this. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. And I feel like we often downplay our value in that. And I would, I would love to ask you, how can we shift this and not miss out on opportunities to campaign for ourselves as female entrepreneurs? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought this up. So waiting for other people to spontaneously reward and celebrate all of your achievements is going to get you nowhere fast. I mean, it is, it's so wild to me how we as women can do really great things, but then we're just being so humble and like sitting in the corner and not talking about it. So it's so critical to celebrate and share what it is you're excited about and what you've achieved because otherwise everybody is so stuck in their minds that they are going to miss it. Right. And as I said earlier, people want to be able to celebrate and uplift what it is you're doing. You need to give them the material to be able to do just that. Um, I, I've seen this a lot. I do work with a lot of attorneys and just to give a a really clear example is male attorneys at their end of year review will say, I did this, I did this, I did this. And female attorneys will say, we did this, we did this, we did this. So what happens at the end of the year when people are getting ready to be presented as partner is the man who who was confident and owned his value, he is seen as wanting something more than the woman. And so then she's overlooked and he gets it. So if there's something you want and you have a dream client, a dream gig, whatever it is, you need to tell people about it. You need to go after it because otherwise people are going to assume you're sitting on the sidelines that you don't have interest. So, so often I see women um, like past opportunities are passed by them because they didn't raise their hand. You need to raise your hand Mm. to say, this is what I want. This, these are my credentials. This is why I'm the perfect fit. And you need to land the gig. Mm -hmm. I'm praise handsing over here. (laughs) I think that's so good to remember though. Cause like we have to ask for the opportunities that we want, we have to put ourselves out there and not be afraid that we're too much or not enough. And mm-hmm. I think you spoke to that so well. 
Well, I mean, how often have you wanted something and you don't get it and no one ever knew? Like, think about how you get selected. Mm -hmm. If you you raise your hand, you might get it. If you don't raise your hand, you won't. Wouldn't you rather raise your hand and be in the arena and have the chance Mm -hmm. than not have a chance at all? Well, and I think women don't raise their hand or ask for those opportunities because they're afraid if they do put themselves out there, if they do raise their hand and then they don't get it, then that kind of piggybacks back to our failure talk. And it's like, oh, okay, I failed. Right. And and I get that. I've raised my hand a lot. I've been passed over by opportunities. I remember it's probably been two years now. I got passed over for a free, a, a, a pro bono speaking gig here in Columbus, but I got a gig in Portland at Nike. I was so bummed about getting picked over for this freebie thing in my community that it almost took away the excitement for the big deal that I was going to Nike, right? Um, and it's just so silly. I, you, you're going to fail a lot. You're going to raise your hand and get picked over, but remember the wins that you do get because oftentimes they're the wins that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's like so many little pieces of that that I just like want to hold on to forever. I think I just kind of feel like there's like an analogy of like raising your hand, even if you don't get picked, like you grew that muscle. Like it's almost like weightlifting, like you have to like stretch yourself in order to grow. And just like you were saying, Reagan, like if you don't raise your hand, you're not going to get picked. Like your people won't realize what you're wanting, what you're after. And I think being open and communicating your, you know, growth, where you stand, your value and where you want to go is so, so important, especially as a business owner. And I think I truly personally believe that there is 1000% a way to do that and communicate that and stand tall in your worth and your identity without being self-centered or arrogant. And I think for me personally, um, that comes from knowing that, that my worth and my identity isn't in my own accomplishments. It's in who God created me to be. And that I can stand tall in the success or the, the accomplishments that I've made because it's not just me who's done it. Like the Lord has, has been with me through that. And so I think for our listeners who are believers or, or share the same faith as Lindsay and I, like you can stand so tall in your identity with the Lord where it's complete humility, but also complete and utter confidence and assuredness in who you are. And I just want to encourage, like, especially the female entrepreneurs, that there is a way to be completely confident and self-assured without being completely self-centered, narcissistic, or arrogant. Because I don't know, like, Reagan, you might have thoughts on this, but I think arrogance and conceit can actually, like, self-sabotage your career almost more, if not just equally to like self-doubt. I think those are both really, really dangerous poisons in like your life. Would you agree with that? I, for sure, I would agree. Um, Just thinking about like our, my personality and who I gravitate toward, I'm, I'm not going to invest my time and energy in somebody who's arrogant and conceited, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what you just talked about is you know, it, it's so important that you, with your own genius and the gifts that you were given, that you guide other people. And in order to guide other people along that journey that you offer, you need to talk about it. 
and you need to be confident mm-hmm. in what it is you were gifted with, right? Because your story is unique to you and your genius and what makes you tick. It is your duty to share that with others. And there's nothing arrogant about doing that in a really um, authentic way and helping yes. people. You're, you're guiding them through their hero's journey, right? Trying to figure out um, navigating pitfalls and you're helping them get there faster. And and that's a really beautiful thing. And there's nothing um, to be quiet about, right? You can celebrate how many people you've helped uh, become successful Mm. entrepreneurs. Oh, I love that. I couldn't agree more. Well, and kind of on the flip side, then I want to ask the question, a lot of these habits that we've talked about seem to be rooted in self-doubt. So we kind of touched on like arrogance and conceit, but also like, let's flip it to the other side of the coin and talk about self-doubt because that is such a oh pitfall of, I think any human, but especially like entrepreneurs. So what would your best advice be to entrepreneurs who are struggling with self-doubt to overcome it? So I I would say that you need to get to the root of your self-doubt, right? Like we all have different baggage or stories that we have been carrying around, some of us for decades, that create self-doubt. And for me, I'll just share a personal insight. I struggled when I was younger in school. I had learning disabilities and I always felt so ashamed that it took me longer to like master certain things and my peers just, you know, seem to be moving a lot forward faster. And so I had all of this self-doubt when it came to like traditional schoolwork, which then, you know, showed up in different chapters as I grew up and became an adult. And I realized like, wow, anytime I'm feeling less than confident, like I can trace it back to, you know, being in the third grade and failing that test that everybody else passed, right? So number one is to get to the root of where does that self-doubt really come from? And then the minute it creeps into your brain, you need to learn how to catch it. So I always talk to my clients about this false thought is coming into your head. You need to acknowledge that you had it, but immediately replace it with something true. Like Mm -hmm. I, you know, I am never going to be successful because I'm not smart enough. Well, that's not true. And you replace it with, I am successful because I've already done all these things. So it's, it's part of it is rewiring. Like there's so much data out there that shows that you can rewire these like neurotransmitters in your brain simply by replacing the negative false story with something positive and true. And that takes discipline. That's something I've, you know, I think I learned that tactic over a decade ago. And still today, if I find a negative thought coming in, I quickly replace it. And then it's like, wow, I've kind of like blocked it like a roadblock, the negative Mm -hmm. from believing it. So I would say, number one, start getting disciplined um, and rewiring your thoughts. I also think like calling upon your past wins Like so many times we have this extreme statement of self-doubt or negativity that we make. And it's something so extreme that you can easily replace it with that past win and call upon all the reasons why you should feel confident in whatever it is you're doing. So I would say those would be my two uh, tips to moving past self-doubt faster. Wow. That just, I felt that. (laughs) I think those tips are really, really good. Thank you so much, Regan. Um, I have a deep question now that 
kind of encompasses everything that you've learned in life and business. Our, my question is, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned in business? The biggest lesson I have learned in business is uh, to not say yes when your gut is screaming no. And, and I'll explain that so often, especially when you're an entre- entrepreneur starting off, you say yes to everything because you're afraid no one else will ever hire you again. If I say, you know, no to this, um, to, to capturing this couple's wedding day, no one else is going to hire me on that date. But you know that that couple does not drive with you, right? And, and you know that you're not going to be able to have the art, the creativity that you, um, you know, want to have at the end of that. I, so many times early on in my uh, coaching business, I said yes to clients that I knew instinctually were not a perfect fit for me. Um, and I regretted it and, you know, they didn't grow as fast and I dreaded our time together. Um, and so don't be afraid to wait for the ideal client. I think it's so Mm. important because when you are with your ideal client, that is when the magic happens. Anything else is going to distract you and, and waste your time and hold you back from getting the ideal client faster. So you have to trust your gut. Oh, preach it, Reagan. <laughs> Clap, snaps, all of it. <laughs> I mean, it's so true. Oh, it's so you've, done, you've done yeah. it too. I'm sure you've done it. You've said yes yep. to the wrong people. Yeah, absolutely. We literally did a podcast episode all about how to say no when it's not the right fit because it's just for any listener that's listening, it's episode 30. So if you haven't listened to that, go back. (laughs) It's so, it's so important, especially as, you know, creative entrepreneurs, but pretty much any entrepreneur, any human, when you say yes to something, especially if it's not the perfect fit or not the right fit, you are saying no to, uh, you know, other things that, are the right thing for you. Even if that's just like your own like space to breathe or your mental health or, you know, whatever, like you are saying no to something else. So weighing your yeses heavily and like carefully, I think is so important as a business owner. So frick yes. (laughs) I mean, it is so important. We have to get selfish with Mm -hmm. our yeses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. when you get selfish with your yeses, you're actually serving your people and yourself so much better. Like you're being careful with your yeses can actually lead to more to offer to other people. And it, I think it really does. Like it's a direct correlation because you're healthier, you're better, you're okay, and you have more to give to the right people. Well, and mm-hmm. I think it also helps you avoid burnout too because if you're yeah. always constantly saying yes to people that don't fill you up or that are just aren't the right fit for you personally, or you're not the right fit for them. It like, you can just burn out so fast. Yeah. So fast. Have you, have you read essentialism? Yes. I haven't, but it's on my list. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And I love, I love and this that is something book. when it comes to overthinking. Um, I love the 90% rule. And so the 90% yep. rule is anytime you have an opportunity, rank it from one to a hundred. And if it's below a 90, you instantly make it a zero. And that makes Mm -hmm. your decision tree process super easy. So if you're saying yes to an 88, it's not, it shouldn't be a yes. It should be a zero. And you only operate Mm -hmm. in that 90 to a hundred zone. And that's where where joy resides. 
Ugh, I love I, that. I love that book. I've read it twice. <laughs> like, so good. It's going to be one of those repeat books for me every year. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, Reagan, okay, for anyone who's listening to this, and we've talked a lot about just like mindsets and habits as an entrepreneur and self-doubt and confidence and arrogance and, you know, having people surround you and be in your corner and support you. So if somebody is listening to this and is thinking, okay, I want to find a coach or a mentor or somebody to help me walk through like life or these mindset pitfalls or whatever, do you have advice for our listeners on like how to go about looking for somebody or what to even look for? Yeah. So I would, um, how I, I would say when you find people don't, don't ever be afraid to ask questions or ask if they'll do like a consultation. I always offer consultations to potential new clients and, um, something that I do, I don't know if every coach does this, but I also, tell everybody that calls me to potentially work together that they need to interview three other coaches because fit is the number one thing that matters. If you don't have a good fit, a good chemistry with your coach, you won't transform because you're not going to buy in and they're not going to buy in. So Mm. I would say, um, ask people for referrals. Uh, if there's somebody that really excites you that you've seen online, like all of the good coaches will offer you some sort of consultation. If they're untouchable, then that's probably not someone you, you know, want to work with. Um, and, and to trust your gut, right. To, to choose to work with somebody that really, um, has a message that resonates with what it is you're trying to achieve. It's so important. Mm, That's good. I love that you said that you have people interview like at least three other people. That's so smart. And it, I feel like makes you even more awesome because you're like, I'm confident. I know it. And, but you're also serving, (laughs) you're serving your client because you're like, I want to make sure that I'm the absolute right fit for you. So I love that. For sure. Right. And also I um, refer people all the time. So as I, so for your clients who are listening, entrepreneurs, like always have a referral list. I refer clients that aren't a 90 and above for me to other coaches every single week. And so I would build up your list of, you know, a team of other people in your profession. When you have that gut instinct, like, you know what, I'm not going to be the best coach for you. These are the five people you need to call. And this is why it just, it's good business to, to share Mm -hmm. the love. Okay, well, that leads perfect into our last question, which if anybody's listening to this interview and they're like, ooh, dang, that Reagan girl sounds really awesome. Where can I get in touch with her? Where can I find you? Um, So yeah, just shout out all of your stuff. Where can people get in contact with you, Reagan? Yeah, so um, ReaganWalsh.com is my website. I'm on Instagram. It's Reagan Walsh Life Coach. And LinkedIn is Reagan Walsh and Facebook is Reagan Walsh Life Coach. So if you Google my name, you'll find me. Awesome. You are amazing. Reagan, thank you so much for coming on today and just sharing your expertise and all the freaking knowledge because this was such a good episode and I'm so excited for people to hear this. Oh my gosh. It was so fun. I'm so grateful to both of you for the space that you've created. Uh, thank you. Thank you.